0: When your home's right in the middle of a region that's said to be the cradle of civilization, it's easy to imagine the ghosts of any number of ancient societies all around. That's what it's like to walk almost anywhere in Turkey. From Hittites and Assyrians to Lydians and Byzantine Greeks and Romans, today's Republic of Turkey is built atop some impressive powerhouses of the distant past. Until it was replaced by the Turkish Republic in 1922, the Ottoman Empire ruled supreme They ruled from their capital at Istanbul, where you can still witness impressive reminders of that city's imperial past. To help us get in touch with the empire the Ottomans left behind, Istanbul-based tour guide Lali sermon joins us right now with tips for touring Ottoman Turkey. Lali, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Rick, and merhaba.
0: Merhaba. Tell us the Ottoman state, basically. When did it start? When did it finish? What was it?
1: The Ottoman history gets us back to the 13th century AD. Towards the end of the Ottoman century, the Ottoman dynasty formed, and they struggled with other Turkish dynasties trying to set a sure foot on Asia Minor And finally, they became the leader of those Turkish dynasties, unifying them under their flag, hence founded the Ottoman state, which turned into the Ottoman Empire, which was one of the major powers of the world in the 16th century AD, continued till the 19th century AD. Decline started in the 18th century, continued into the 19th century. Finally, by the World War I, it collapsed.
0: Okay, so basically it started around 1300, and it was a, a, a tribe of fierce, strong, warrior-type Muslim people yes. that came in. They from Central o- Asia. From Central Asia. They took over Constantinople, which yes. was the capital of the Byzantine Empire yes. and the Eastern Roman Empire, Yes. established their state from there. It peaked in the 1600s and lasted until the 20th century, falling with a lot of uh, dynasties after World War One.
1: Yes, we're talking about a history of 600 years.
0: So much of what you see when you go to Istanbul today would be from the Ottoman period. Monuments. Monuments. Huge right.
1: monuments from the Ottoman period.
0: Who is the major figure of the Ottoman period? If there's one guy we gotta understand and, and what would we see in Istanbul to reflect uh, his rule?
1: I guess that would be Suleiman the Magnificent. You call it the Suleiman the Magnificent, we call it Suleiman the Lawgiver, since he established an Ottoman codex for law trying to be as fair as possible to every subject living under his flag.
0: Now, when did he rule, and what physical souvenirs of his reign did he leave us today as sightseers? He
1: reigned for 46 years in 1500s. 1500s, okay. Yes, and during his reign, the imperial architect was a brilliant, brilliant man, architect Sinan, whom we see as a counterpart for Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo. Both of these men, Suleiman the Magnificent and Sinan, have a stamp on the Turkish Ottoman Renaissance.
0: Now, that's interesting because we got uh, Francois Premier, we got Henry VIII, we got the Medici, we got Michelangelo. All got of the Leonardo, same age. 16, all the classes. 16th of,
1: century yeah. was an awesome
0: age. This is the class of 1500, and a lot of times yes. we forget that Suleiman the Magnificent was part of that with his Michelangelo or Leonardo Brilliant Sinon, architect. S-I-N-O-N. Now, as a Westerner, when I go to Istanbul, I'm just so... thrilled to go into the mosques, but I don't have a very good ability to appreciate fine mosque architecture from just mosque architecture. When you step into a mosque by Sinon, the Leonardo of Mm -hmm. Muslim architects, what do you see? What distinguishes the great mosque of Suleiman the Magnificent, designed by Sinon, from more forgettable mosques?
1: To start with, I I, I can summarize it with one word, grandeur. He was able to build huge domes Without pillars supporting, he hid the pillars in the walls. So the domes looked like as if they were floating on air.
0: Hmm. Now, how did he do that?
1: Hiding the pillars in the side walls.
0: Okay, so that would be you step in and you're just overcome by the wonder of it.
1: Yes, and he didn't invent it. He inherited it from the previous Byzantine Empire that occupied Istanbul.
0: Because Hagia Sophia, which was the biggest dome in the Western world for centuries, yes. preceded Suleiman yes. by, by many Hagia centuries.
1: Sophia, or Hagia Sophia, was uh, the sample in front of Sinan.
0: Now, that dates 800 years before Sinan or something like this, doesn't it? Uh, about 1,000 years. It's easy to under underestimate the importance of Istanbul. I mean, for I always like to think that for 400 years, Istanbul was the leading city in Christendom. Europeans, even though they had no direct contact, they looked to Constantinople as the sort of the the Oz of their civilization. Mm
1: -hmm. And for another 400 years under the Ottoman rule, it was the leading city of the Islam world.
0: There's not many cities that can make this claim. Yes, yes. We're talking about Istanbul. We're talking about Ottoman Turkey. We're joined by Lali Sermon Aran, who comes from Constantinople, or Istanbul, as we say now. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Eric's on the phone in Algonquin, Illinois. Eric, thanks for your call. Oh,
2: thank you. I'll be returning to Istanbul in a few weeks, but this will be the first trip there for my wife and 10-year-old daughter. I was wondering if you'd give me some advice on some things that could really make the Ottoman experience come alive for a child.
0: Ten years old. So 10-year-old daughter to Istanbul, what would be a fun thing to enliven her experience and gain an appreciation of the Ottoman?
1: I suppose she would be most thrilled with sights that are more visually awarding. And I can count the Dolmabahçe Palace, the Ottoman Palace along the Bosphorus, The Mosque of Suleiman the Magnificent, the Blue Mosque, and if you ever have a chance to go to the aqueducts that were built by Sinan, Suleiman the Magnificent's architect in the 16th century, that might also be an interesting place for her to
0: see. Describe the aqueducts.
1: In the 16th century, they renewed all of the water system of the capital city, which was falling apart. People needed water for a survival. So... Suleiman the Magnificent asked Sinan to rebuild it from the very beginning. Sinan built mighty aqueducts from the forests surrounding the city, channeling the water into the fountains, the monumental fountains that are in the city. And some are intact, and they can be seen in day trips out of Istanbul.
0: Eric, have you traveled with your daughter to countries like Turkey before?
2: No, this will be our first trip overseas.
0: Boy, you're diving right into the intensity of it all by going to Turkey.
2: Yeah, we're looking forward to it very much.
1: And your daughter might very much enjoy the performance of the military army band.
0: Okay. Where would that be?
1: That's made in the military museum daily around 3 p.m. You just need to get a ticket. There is no separate admission for the band. and Anybody can watch it.
0: Eric, uh, Lolly mentioned the Domabachi Palace. This really is, uh, you know, people like to go to the Schoenbrunn Palace in Vienna or Versailles in Paris or the Royal Palace in Madrid. This is right up there with those palaces and uh, it's often overlooked by tourists because it's up the Bosporus a little ways. And do you still need to make an appointment to go there, or can you just drop in?
1: It's suggested that they make an appointment, and it's easy to do through the website of the palace. You can do it ahead of time.
0: Describe the palace to us just briefly. What what century is it from? It's a 19th century palace, uh-huh.
1: and it's heavily under the European influence, European architecture but the Ottomans, during their decline, wanted to show off the world they still have the money, they still have the might, they still have the power that their ancestors had, therefore channeled everything that they had in their power for the construction of this palace. It's spectacular. Bakara crystal staircases, largest crystal chandeliers of the world, biggest handwoven carpets of the world, and you can all see them in the palace. The palace is kept with the original furniture.
0: So this is a palace that was actually built during the decline of the Ottomans and then to sort of prove that they're not on the decline, it was over-the-top sort of grandeur. It was uh, a show-off. How do you spell Dolmabachi?
1: D-O-L-M-A-B-A-H-C-E.
0: Okay, Dolmabachi. It is the big palace, uh, Eric, in, in Istanbul, and it's just a bit away from the center, actually facing, you can see it from the cruises up and down the Bosporus. Yes,
1: and it's facing Asia. It's located on Europe facing Asia.
0: Now, Eric has a chance to take his daughter to the Blue Mosque. Tell us about the experience of going into the Blue Mosque. Are all the tourists welcome? Uh, What sensitivities should we have when we visit the Blue Mosque?
1: That's a good question, Rick. Thank you. Uh, Everybody is welcome in the mosque, so as the Blue Mosque. The only times they'll not let you in are the set times of the prayer, which are five times a day. Those times are only reserved for the worshippers. Other than that, you can go in at any time. Uh, Men and women both are expected to cover their shoulders and knees and women are expected to cover the hair. This does not have to be in a conventional way that a Muslim woman does. It's the sign of respect. Even a baseball cap would do it.
0: And there's scarfs right there that people can grab on the way in. Yes, I
1: recommend you to bring your own scarf. I mean, don't wear something that hundreds of other people are wearing. Yes, but they're available handy. And regardless of the sex and the age, everybody takes shoes off, remove shoes, going into a mosque.
0: Eric, I hope that's helpful.
2: Uh, yes, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for your call, and good luck uh, exposing your, your uh, young student to the wonders of our world.
2: Thank you.
0: And George is on the line in Shaker Heights, Ohio. Hi, George. Thanks for your call.
2: Hey there, Rick, and merhaba. Uh,
0: marhaba. Merhaba.
2: I have a comment, actually, because I'm a uh, ceramic artist that specializes in tile and mosaic, and I spent a week with my wife uh, in Istanbul in August visiting a good friend of ours who is is a native there. Her name is Serpil. And we saw so much wonderful tile, as well as some mosaic in Istanbul. And it was a thrill for me, both uh, personally as well as professionally, to see uh, this wonderful tile that was actually, I think, mostly created in the uh, uh, Turkish city of Iznik.
0: Iznik, right? Yes. Famous for its tiles. Now, George, as a ceramic artist yourself, were you struck by the fact that there were no images on the tiles, but just uh, design.
2: Yeah, that's generally true, although not always true. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's a wonderful tile pavilion at the uh, Archaeological Museum, and some of the tile does have some faces on it. Okay. And, uh, I'm not quite sure yes. why or yes. what the difference is.
0: But generally, in Muslim art, you would not have... You know, like I was struck by, when you go into the Hagia Sophia, in a Christian church, you would have a big statue of St. Peter and another big statue of um, the Virgin Mary. And in a mosque, you'd have a big banner with an artistically designed lettering that says Allah or Mohammed, but not the images of those people.
2: That's right, but the mosques are great places to see, you know, these oh, whole yeah. walls of tile just... Uh and pattern on pattern, uh, it's uh, really a thrilling experience.
0: So you would recommend the city of Iznik, I-Z-N-I-K, for people who really want to see this, this tile art form?
2: I think that the tile is still being made there. Hey,
0: George, we're just running out of time, and I'd love while you're on the phone to get Lolly's take on, because she shook her head no when I said Iznik for tiles. Lolly, if you're looking for some sightseeing, must-sees. What would you have in a list of four or five Ottoman sites or cities or or places to appreciate in means of tiles? No, in in means of Ottoman culture and art.
1: Istanbul, Bursa, and Edirne. The three big cities. Yes, the the capitals of the Ottoman. Yes.
0: Istanbul, Bursa, B U R S A, and Edirne, E D I R N E, in Thrace, which would be the European part of Turkey.
1: Yes, bordering Bulgaria. Before the Ottomans conquered Constantinople, they had capital cities. One capital city for Asian provinces, one capital city for the European provinces. After the conquest of Istanbul, they were combined in one capital city, Constantinople or
0: Istanbul. Wow. George, thanks for your call.
2: Well, thanks, Rick, and thanks, Lolly.
0: Thank you. Happy travels. Thanks. Lolly. explain Iznik is a famous word for people appreciating uh, Ottoman tiles. Is it famous because you go there to see the tiles, or that's where the tiles came from and you see them in palaces in Bursa or Neither Istanbul? Neither nor. Okay, what's the story Neither of Iznik?
1: Uh, to start with, I can say that Iznik is biblical Nicaea, where the Nicene Creed was signed okay. or discussed over. In the height of the Ottoman period, it became the manufacturing center for the Iznik tiles that were commissioned by the Ottoman dynasty. But in the 18th century, the tile industry there declined, and came to a total end. Afterwards, different centers carried on the traditions of the Iznik tiles, but none could come to the quality of what was produced in Iznik because it was a profession or a task that a master taught an apprentice. That chain came to an end.
0: So bottom line, if you want to see the greatest Iznik-style tiles, you You do
1: it in Istanbul.
0: Istanbul. And I would imagine that would be in the Topkapi Palace would be a good place.
1: The best I would list as the Rustem Pasha's mosque along the Golden Horn.
0: Huh, okay.
1: Then comes the Blue Mosque and the Topkapi Palace.
0: Let's talk about the Topkapi Palace. We talked about the Dolmabahce Palace, but that's 19th century, and that's more modern mm-hmm. and more European style. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the Topkapi Palace, that you feel like you're going into another world. How can we best appreciate the Topkapi Palace?
1: What I can say is that Dolmabahce Palace is an eclectic palace with Turkish elements and European architectural elements. Topkapu Palace is an Ottoman palace. What makes it stand out so differently is that Ottomans or Turks, previously, before they established themselves in Asia Minor, they were nomads living in Central Asia. They lived in tents, and the tents were organized around the tent of the chieftain. And when you go to the Topkapu Palace, it's a concrete structure, but it's a concrete tent. You see buildings organized around courtyards as if they are tents circling a central location. So there are courtyards, and around them there are the buildings. The same thing. Nothing has changed, but only the material. And life in the Topkapu Palace, when you talk about a palace, people always imagine fancy furniture, fancy silverware, flatware, chandeliers. There are none in the Topkapu Palace because that's not how you live in a tent. You would live on the ground, spreading good, well-made carpets, and you would sit on the divans. Once upon a time, the divans in the tents were the mattresses that were folded up during the day, that were tucked to the sides of the tents. But in the Topkapo Palace, well, okay, they built the divans to sit in the corners of the room, but the palace is a concrete tent.
0: You just straightened it all out for me because when I go to the Domobachi Palace, it feels like a European king could live here. When I go to the Topkapi Palace, I feel some royal nomad just parked his camel and he spread his uh, low-lying sofas around, these divans, and they're just gathered as they would in a tent.
1: That's what it feels like, exactly. And the other thing fascinating about the Topkapi Palace is that it was not only the residence of the dynasty, the, the Ottoman family members, but it was the seat of the government. It was the capital hell.
0: This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been imagining the wonders of Ottoman Turkey, which was for six or seven centuries really a a dramatic empire. It was a grand empire. Its capital in Constantinople, present-day Istanbul. And Lali Sermon Aran has been our tour guide. Lali, give us one little last stop where we can feel really the magnificence of the Ottoman age. Where would we go and what would we look at?
1: Go to the Golden Horn, walk over to the Galata Bridge, turn to the old town, and immerse the view,
0: That's and it. the Bosphorus. So the Golden Horn is this beautiful bay that that splits Istanbul in two halves. On the European side, cross the bridge towards the European side. Look back, and you'll see this skyline just sparkling with the wonders.
1: That is my favorite view of the Ottoman and Empire. And the Bosphorus is part of it.
0: Oh, it's just great, Lolly. Thank you so much for this peek at Istanbul my and pleasure. the Ottoman Empire. Thank you. And Lolly, um, if I want to say see you later, how do I say that?
1: Sonra görüşürüz. See you later. Sonra görüşürüz, Rick.
0: Sonra görüşürüz. Rica
1: ederim.
0: Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for Istanbul, Athens, and every other corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.